Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Jeremy Kaufman. Jeremy is running for United States Senate out of New Hampshire. He has made a lot of waves recently. Very uh, witty guy, releasing some very funny, uh, but thoughtful, you know, clever and witty promotional videos for his campaign. So check him out, Jeremy Kaufman. Really appreciate him joining me today. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. We are now going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line, where I am joined by Jeremy Kaufman. Jeremy is running for U.S. Senate in New Hampshire. Jeremy, how are you today? I am doing great. Life in the free state is going very well. There's a lot of different directions I could take this. Um, before we jump into what exactly the free state of New Hampshire, what you meant by what you meant by that, which was life in the free state is going well, um, could you introduce yourself? Who is Jeremy Kaufman? I assume you're from New Hampshire, but beyond that, what brought you into the world of being a libertarian? How old are you? Who is Jeremy Kaufman? All right, man. That's a lot. Well, I am a father of three. I live in Manchester, New Hampshire, the big city, uh, population 120,000. That's a, that's a big city in New Hampshire. I believe it's the biggest. Uh, and I've lived here for coming up on 10 years. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia originally. Uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm active in the Libertarian Party. And the reason I even live in New Hampshire is because of something called the Free State Project, uh, which is this movement to concentrate libertarians in uh, in a single place, and so that's that's sort of how long I'd say I've been, you know, pretty active as a libertarian. Before that, I kind of like believed in it, and uh, but wasn't you know wasn't doing a ton uh, to to actually make it happen. 
Okay. So originally from Philadelphia, about 10 years ago, you moved to New Hampshire for what's called the Free State Project. What is the Free State Project? So the Free State Project is this idea that by concentrating libertarians, uh, people who appreciate you know private property, voluntary interactions, your bodily autonomy, people who want a society that's freer, where we get to make more of our own choices, you know, uh, this kind of thing. Um, people who believe in these kinds of ideas, they've been losing for a long time. And this guy, Jason Sorens, had this idea that was like, well, what if we kind of concentrated our efforts in one place? So a bunch of people actually got together and promised to move to one state and voted on New Hampshire. Uh, and now there's almost, uh, there's like around 10,000 or pushing 10,000 uh, free staters and they're getting elected to office. They're cutting taxes. They're, um, uh, we, you know, fixed all the stuff, uh, all the issues with, uh, you know, vaccines, medical freedom, school choice, cutting spending, uh, even this like small stuff, like making it really easy to start a brewery, you know, scaling back the regulations, scaling back haircut regulations, like all this stuff. And so, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting group of people up here that are very committed to making uh, liberty actually happen. Okay, and you are currently running for U.S. Senate as a libertarian. Um, as, I, as a libertarian, yeah. Have you all, you said you, you've always kind of at least leaned libertarian even prior to 10 years ago. Did you ever identify as a Republican or a Democrat? Uh, you know, I was kind of one of those libertarians who thought that a lot of politics was uh, uh, dumb. Uh, I guess I still kind of do, although now that I'm in uh, New Hampshire, where it feels like libertarians are making progress, I've, I've, <laughs> I've gotten a lot more involved. Um, uh, so, you know, I've, I've believed the ideas for a long time. You know, the Libertarian Party, I was kind of skeptical of uh, during, during COVID, to be honest, got kind of frustrated by. Uh, and it was encouragement for me to get involved, uh, ended up getting so involved, that, uh, you know, now I'm running for office. It's been, it's been kind of a wild, uh, ride. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of put my money where my mouth is. I had been kind of, uh, critical of the previous libertarian, uh, party. And, you know, that now this is a chance to, um, uh, you know, I'm not just, I'm not just going to be on the sidelines, uh, you know, uh, criticizing. I'm going to go and, you know, get involved. I'm going to take action and I'm going to do something, you know. You, of course, are running for a big position as a, a U.S. senator, one of the 100 U.S. senators in the country. On the federal level, you mentioned you were frustrated with the previous uh, regime within the Libertarian Party. I actually interviewed Joe Jorgensen uh, during her campaign. Um, that all happened in hindsight, what, what crazy timing, but that all happened right in the middle of Corona in hindsight, Jeremy, are you satisfied with the way the libertarian party handled that campaign? I'm, I'm not, but I also don't want to like, like there's not a lot of libertarians, uh, and I would like us to be fighting, uh, a little bit less. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice. Like it, it, I, I was disappointed. I was disappointed in them, but they're still on my team, right? We still want the same thing, you know? Uh, and so I do want to like, it, it, you know, I'm willing to be a little critical of them, but I think it's really important not to lose sight of that and not make these people, you know, into too big of enemies that are, you know, actually want similar things to us. 
Okay. Very, very rational, fair answer. Um, I believe you are a part of the Mises Caucus. Is that accurate? Yes. I, I, they're part of why I ended up getting involved in LP politics in, in New Hampshire. But some people have this idea that I'm like a central uh, figure. Uh, I'm not. You know, New Hampshire obviously was, was sort of one of those big initial skirmishes that kind of showed how, how um, some factions within the LP. I mean, I don't know, to me, this is all like it, this, this internal LP strife. Like, I kind of want to move past it. Like, I, if, you're, if you're really into it and you want to know my, want my opinion of the details, I mean, we can go through it. But to me, it's like, it's over. Um, you know, like let's, let's focus on, on, you know, on building things, on accomplishing things. But if, if, if people didn't, didn't, you know, don't like some of the new leadership, you know, you got to give them a chance before you're critical and let's see what happens. You know, like I wasn't, I, I was skeptical of Joe, but I was never initially critical of Joe. I became critical of Joe later, <laughs> you know, not immediately. Uh, uh, cause I think, you know, I thought it was a, a real missed opportunity. Um, but. Yeah, man. I don't know. The truth is that I think libertarians are um, are kind of a minority nationally speaking. I think it's going to always be hard. Uh, I appreciate people who are doing the fighting, you know, and I think I, and I think there can be some wins. Uh, and I'm not like I'm not completely like black pill pessimistic or anything, but uh, you know, I don't know. Like we just went through COVID, and a lot of people liked it. A lot of people were for it, and I don't know what you do with that reality. I mean, I think you've got to like, to me, it's like, you know, I don't want to, it's like, I just don't want to be you know, ruled by those people. I don't want to be influenced by them. I, I care less about persuading them, you know, more than ever. So within the, the world of the Libertarian Party, you are uh, putting your energy, your time and energy into, if possible, uniting the party instead of being more divisive. Uh, that makes sense. I, I certainly appreciate that. And I agree. I mean, of course, a platform such as the Libertarian Party is going to have inherently, as any party does, uh, certain issues. I don't know, I guess maybe immigration or abortion, where many par- party members feel very, very differently than each other uh, about those certain issues. But that doesn't mean that the party needs to you know, divide up and say, well, you, okay, you don't feel this way, you're out of the party. Instead, uh, I, I know, and this is a very difficult topic, but I, I think it's very, um, maybe more important than, than we a lot of times address, but I think it's, it's uh, an issue of, is the Libertarian Party trying to shrink the size of government, make our country more free, and kind of like your video that I recently watched, and a very important issue is also uh, foreign policy. So not just make our country more free, um, but why not uh, trying to try to minimize the amount of damage we do to innocent people in other countries, which I guess um, does end up making our country less free inherently. Could you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about the funny videos you have made? I think you've only released two thus far how can anyone listening access them and and how did those come about do you do all that video editing oh oh man that's so describing describing jokes on a podcast is dangerous territory 
question, but let's just say that there are there are some ads that people have uh, people have really liked. Uh, you know, one of them's got like five hundred thousand views, or uh, you know, it's got a bunch of views. Uh, and they're they're satirical, but there's a real point to them. Um, you can look them up at Jeremy4NH dot com. Uh, you can also uh, Jeremy4NH YouTube or Jeremy4NH Odyssey. Uh, if you can find it on um, on those on those platforms as well. They're just, uh, yeah, they're just some short, they're not your typical, they're not your typical ads. Um, but they're, they're ads that some people have really liked. I know it is difficult to translate humor through a, a very dry uh, medium such as podcasting, but they're hilarious. My wife, I reference her a lot. She's Cuban. She definitely leans more toward being a Republican. Um, and she doesn't always bite on everything that I show her that's liberty centric however i showed her the one video and i I know this isn't going to do it justice um but i think it's called war is gay or make war gay and she thought it was fucking hilarious you did a very good job uh it almost when i'm describing it right now sounds more sophomoric and shallow um than it actually is it's joking and it's saying in effect, uh, what's wrong with the fact that we are supporting uh, genocide in Yemen? Oh, it's not that we're supporting genocide in Yemen. It, that it, it's that it's cis white men uh, who are, you know, killing all these people. Elect me to U.S. Senate. I'll get in office and we will have a rainbow of different looking people, different genders who are doing this exact same genocide. So, of course, it's satire, but as a... You know, as I said, my wife even agreed, which is not always the case, but it is truly, I mean, for anyone who actually watches it and it makes you think, it's truly actually very funny and thoughtful um, and, I mean, it has a very important underlying uh, foreign policy meaning. Yeah. I, I mean, there's this, this class of people out there that want to perpetuate war. And for a lot of them, it's because it makes them money. And they'll do or say anything as long as they get to continue to do that thing. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, and I know this is going back to the divisive topic that maybe we don't want to talk about as much, but it is, is it true that Nicholas Sarwark is supporting someone else in New Hampshire for that Senate seat you're running for? Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't think this is this is too worth getting into. Okay. Then you know, like there's there's no there's nothing serious happening here. Okay. Um, okay. And like you know, I think that guy just he's he's doing anything, and I don't think he you know he doesn't need to be given the attention. Okay. Well, that, if that's not uh, relevant or significant, um, who is among the Republicans, Democrats? What what's tell us about the seat you're running for? And tell us about how your campaign is going. So it's, uh, there's an incumbent Democrat, uh, Maggie Hassan. She has got about $20 million bankroll. Uh, so a real, a real candidate of the people, obviously not at all captured by, by big business, uh, or by special interests. Uh, so she's, she's the incumbent with a big war chest. Uh, then there's uh, a bunch of uh, uh, Republicans uh, running. Uh, the favorite is uh, a candidate named 
uh, Chuck Morse, uh, although there is another free skater running uh, named uh, named Bruce Fenton. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's mostly pretty boring on that side. You know, there are some, cause there are a lot of libertarian Republicans in uh, New Hampshire. Like I'm to me, I'm, I am, I am principal over party. It's like, if people are going to move, uh, the needle in the right direction, like I support them. If they're going to make government, you know, smaller, like I, you know, to me, this, this having this, this, um, overly strong attachment to the libertarian party brand and saying like, you can't advance liberty if you're Republican or something. I think that that stuff's crazy. Uh, because there are a lot of very libertarian, uh, uh, or literally explicitly libertarian, like literally people who, you know, used to be in the LP that are now elected as Republicans here in New Hampshire. Um, so, but it's not really those guys running for Senate, um, aside from Bruce Fenton now that he's declared. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be someone pretty mediocre to bad. Uh, it's gonna be someone bad, I think either way. Uh, and so, you know, our goal is to make a difference in, the race. Uh, no, I think that like it, libertarians need to consider a victory as if you're growing in size, if you're growing the party and if you're, if you're able to accomplish something, if you can make something relevant, if you can force a debate on a topic, if you can force your uh, candidates to take a stance on something, um, you, you the, the candidates opposing you like, you know, because you have, we have to build in our, uh, uh, you know, we have to build ourselves up in our, our relevance. One of the sort of like, and, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm beating up a straw man here, but like, I think like that some people think that this, this, uh, this idea of like, you know, we just need to have uh, the right package of ideas or say them the right way. And then we'll win. It's like, no, you've got to convince people that you can convince other people. You've got to be generating some momentum. People aren't going to jump on board. Um, you know, at least a lot of people aren't going to jump on board if the last time, you know, you've got, you've got to go through some other stages of success. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That, that makes Build sense. Momentum of course is important and that you start to get attention and people can see, not only do I agree with this guy's ideas, but Oh shit, it looks like he's actually making, uh, you know, he's making waves and he, he's, you know, garnering attention in the correct direction. If you had to model what type of Senator, let's say you will be, United States Senator, you will be, would it be similar to, I'm here in Kentucky, would it be kind of a, a, a similar um, job that you would do as how Rand Paul is handling himself? You know, I think, I think I'd like to make Rand Paul look a little, a little tame, a little mild, you know, that'd be, that'd be where I'd like to be at. Okay. Um, do you think Rand Paul is, Look, is arguably one of the better senators in the country? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think that's, um, I, I don't think there can be much of a debate on the libertarian side that he, I mean, and look, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not like the nerdiest guy tracking every senator and so on, but he's got to be one of the better ones, if not uh, the best on, on libertarian positions. I attended with my wife, a Rand Paul Senate uh, campaign event a uh, couple months ago. And it's interesting. Mitch McConnell was there. Um, Thomas Massey was there. It, it was very fascinating to see because, you know, coming from my perspective, I'm thinking this is the best of the best uh, when it comes to Republicans is Rand Paul. 
um, and he gave, st- stood up and he gave a speech against socialism, which of course had my wife all excited. Um, uh, but he did mention a couple things about the police, which I thought was you know interesting. He he wasn't shying away from it. He was saying you know I'm. He didn't even address you know I'm libertarian. He didn't say anything like that. Of course, he's a Republican. Um, but his opinion on the police is definitely um, at least different in a lot of ways than what a, a libertarian uh, type of uh, approach would be, if that makes sense. I know he did technically present and sign the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act, and he's done some other things that are uh, consistent with libertarian principles. Um, would you say that the, the police... In the police state in our country is something that would be a big emphasis for you. Are you more of an anarchist um, when it comes to the police? Well, I don't. I don't see those two things necessarily being at odds. You know, if you mean like the you know sort of um, uh, sort of you know the left anarchist, the Seattle the Seattle uh, anarchist or whatever, then you know, then I think those are at odds. To me, like I I. I think police uh, or police type forces, I mean, I think that's necessary, right? Like I think it's, it's, it, you've got to be pretty naive or foolish to think that every person is going to be, you know, responsible for defending themselves individually or stuff like this. Like, of course there's going to be a class of people that are responsible for, you know, responding in extreme situations or, you know, defending people, you know, this kind of thing. Um, but, you know, as we see uh, repeatedly, we don't get a good deal here. The police don't do a, uh, a good job. And when they do a bad job, uh, they, they don't appear to even get punished. Okay. And that's not, I'm not saying every cop There's obviously some cops out there who do, you know, who do a good job. Uh, it's the system though, like you know, a good system would be further elevating the cops who are doing a good job, would be keeping the bad ones out, would have consequences, uh, for some of these, uh, things. Um, you know, so, uh, I think that like, uh, you know, I, I, my flavor of libertarian would be to, um, I- I investigate, uh, you know, privatizing these kinds of things or, uh, at a minimum, bringing them down to the lowest level possible, uh, you know, uh, where things are at least controlled by, by you know, smaller level communities, uh, because at least there's, you know, uh, there's a little bit better enforcement and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and you don't, you don't necessarily get these, you know, giant unions and all these things that mess up, uh, the, the system as is. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, uh, I mean, even the notion that, that being a police officer is, is super dangerous. Like it's, it's the, the actual rate of harm to police officers. It's like, it's like being a pizza driver. Uh, you know, it's like working another, a number of other jobs that like we would consider to be relatively dangerous, but it's not like police officers are. Uh, you know, are dying at some, some crazy rate. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's a necessary job, but right now uh, there's a lot of changes that need to happen. A softball question, I would say, that many Republicans and Democrats, um, you know, would often ask someone who's libertarian would be, I assume that means you think all drugs should be legal, including heroin, crack cocaine and meth. Is that true? Well, as a, as a Senator federally, absolutely. I think there should be no federal laws against these things. I actually mostly think there should be no state level laws against these things. Um, but I'm someone who personally believes that like 
people have a lot of different preferences. What I'm the strongest against is having these like one size fits all rules. If people want to have, uh, you know, um, uh, towns, uh, or, you know, smaller areas, like we should be regulating these things on the, on the smallest level possible. Personally, I'm not interested in paying money to attempt to stop other people from putting things in their body. I'm not interested in spending money to do that. I think it's immoral to spend money to try to stop your neighbor from taking a drug. That's my personal opinion. As a senator, I think the federal government shouldn't be doing anything, absolutely nothing, okay? When you get down to lower levels, local levels, people want to live somewhere different than me in a town that I don't live in. I, you know, to me, that's like, that's your preference. And we, 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 with, with these social type choices where people have so many different preferences, I think it's better that we use, you know, let local, local places have different, different sets of, of rules because people have, have different morality on these social issues. And instead we fight over these one size fits all for, you know, all whatever, 340 million people. Okay. Um, another common attack on libertarians is, yeah, uh, you think that you've got some utopian idea in your, in your mind where the government gets out of your business. But if that happens, who's going to pay for the roads? How do you, I know, I know that yeah. we, we've heard that before, but what's Fine, your, let's what's not your, touch the roads. Let's not, let's not touch the roads. We don't even need to argue, right? Like, okay. uh, it's, it's, you know, like the, the roads can go last. If I pull up my property tax bill, my, the, either my roads are, you know, 2% of my tax burden in New Hampshire. Okay. We start by fixing the schools. Schools are 55, 60% of my tax burden. But again, I'm running for senators. This is all like, uh, this is all local stuff. We're talking about federal taxes. Again, you want to look at how much is going to highways. I, I don't know the number off my head. I, I, I'd be shocked if it's more than 2%. Your money's going to war. Your money's going to defense. Your money's going to entitlements. Uh, this is where your, your tax money is going. So if we want to scale back the, the state, um, you know, I believe over 50% of your money is going to war and entitlements combined. So... It sounds, in, in particular, based on your, once again, very clever, uh, hilarious uh, promotional campaign video you made, it sounds like foreign policy is a big issue to you. Would that be near the top of, of your list, of your, your to-do list when you win Senate? Yeah, I think it's like, it's, so you've got this aspect where it's, it's, one, it's a bunch of money and it's being taken from people. And then it's being taken to, and used to do like the worst things possible. Right. Like at least in it with an entitlement program, like at least, you know, some fraction of the money, of course, the bureaucracy has got to take all of it. You've got all the inefficiencies and all this and that. Um, but at least, you know, some of that money's, you know, helping, uh, you know, maybe helping my neighbor or something. The money that's taken that from us, that's, that's, uh, you know, go, going to fight these wars, it's money is being stolen from you to go hurt people. And it's like, it, it, it is, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty repulsive and it's something that we've got to stop. Um, you know, America's got to stop being the, the world's policeman or in many cases they've, they've, you know, becoming the world's instigator. What are your thoughts on the United States involvement? I know this is a very broad question, um, but involvement with Ukraine. My answer is that the United States government should do nothing. 
Uh, well, the United States government should protect if they're Americans, you know, in there, it should maybe be spending some, some effort to get them out or things like that. That is something that, that um, uh, is, is potentially something a country is responsible for. Uh, but um, the stuff like, um, the, you know, I, I'm all for Ukraine fighting to defend themselves, okay? I don't think there's anyone who thinks Russia is uh, the good guy. Or there's a very small number of people who think that. But that doesn't, there's no reason that America should be spending more money on Ukraine than like any country in Europe. Okay, like sell them weapons. If they need weapons, sell them weapons. Right? I mean, right, aren't, aren't weapons in America made by private companies? They may be getting all their money from the American government, but they're not owned by the American government. The American government doesn't need to uh, spend money to produce those things. Let Ukraine give them money. Let Ukraine take out a loan and buy weapons from American companies. I, I'm all for that. Let Ukraine hire mercenaries. Let Ukraine hire troops. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but don't, don't take, like, it, Ukraine is not, the United States government, it's not its job to be taking money from Americans taking, again, when you're taking money from people, you're taking their time, you're taking their effort, you're conscripting them, and you're doing that uh, to, to buy weapons and send them to Ukraine? Like, absolutely not. Uh, that is just not something that the government should be doing. My interview style is to be very ADHD, so I apologize. I bounce all over the place. Um, Do it. Um Libertarians are normally okay with that. It's kind of ask me anything. It's like whatever the hell you want to ask me, let's let's work through it. Um, in the in World War II, of course, there was the communists and the Nazis and the Americans. And you know, uh, my question is, who was more evil, the communists or the Nazis? Uh, yeah, that's that one's that one's pretty pretty close. Uh. Uh, you know, I think, I think by the numbers, it's the communists. For me personally, it's the Nazis. I've got some Jewish, you know, heritage, and and like sort of that one. That one hits me a little closer. Uh, you know, that whole like, uh, uh, you know, um, if I, if I uh, you know stub, uh, stub my finger, it's a tragedy. You know, if uh, my you know someone in China falls down a well and dies, it's a it's a comedy. You know. Like uh, how we feel about things relates to how how close they are to us. Um, but yeah, by the numbers, I think it's the I think it's the communists. I think the communists hurt more people. Okay. More people. Okay. Fair. Um, do you have a favorite all time United States president, or is there one president you think was actually pretty good, or relatively pretty good? <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's. There's a bunch of uh, you know libertarian answers to this question. You you know some some people like uh, you know Jackson because he ended the banks. Some people uh, like Washington you know because technically he did the least with Jefferson. Um, uh, what some people like uh, like Coolidge. I'm not I'm not a master uh, uh, historian and I'm not really a fan of. of <laughs> of much of any of the United States government's history. I just think governance could be so much better uh, than what it is. You know, so much more is possible. And I see government as mostly holding that back. Uh, and so, uh, I, I don't know, one of those guys, I guess, but not a strongly held opinion. 
Okay. What? Why is it that so many? You know, there's Dave Smith, there's you, there's Spike Cohen. I guess Rothbard also. Why are so many Jewish people so commonly anarcho or libertarians? Why is that? <laughs> that's a good. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you find. Uh, that to be true of Jews in a lot of places, right? Like there are people who are, um, who are sort of, uh, anti-Jew who say the same things about, you know, uh, the communists, uh, or the woke people, uh, you know, why is it all these Jews? Um, I think something like, like 20% or 25% of Nobel prize winners are Jews. So, I uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, um, Something going on there, maybe, but I don't know what it is. Fair answer. I don't know that there's a defin- definitive, uh, you know, answer to that question. It's just kind of fascinating, and and it's also fascinating how often uh, people will say, "Oh, libertarians," and then try to like pin them to being some alt right type of or- type of organization. Yeah, I'm, Even I'm, the Mises I'm, Caucus, and I'm like, "Hey, uh, it's a bunch of Jewish guys." Totally. And I'm, a, I mean, I'm actually 50, 50, I'm a half breed. So I'm a real, uh, you know, I'm a real American, uh, you know, success story of the, the Jewish immigrants and the, uh, you know, the Irish Catholic immigrants. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I've, so I've got a, I've got a mix of, of both of those things. Do, Hmm. Okay. So I assume, and, and I know you, your focus is to be as inclusive within the libertarian party as possible not to be divisive and i think that's a very good strategy um have you ever ran for office prior to running for u.s senate i have not no could you tell us a little bit more about what you do for a living yeah so um i mean so this i think it is relevant uh experience because it involves so uh, I've, i've founded multiple companies uh software companies first one was a b2b software company so it sold uh software to businesses and the current one uh, uh, was both a, a technological product and a, a consumer uh, a product uh, called Odyssey, uh, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. Uh, it's a top 1,500 website. It's used by uh, tens of millions of people uh, every month, uh, mostly to watch uh, videos. And so you can find all kinds of interesting stuff on there that uh, you might not, might not find in other places and some stuff that you would find in other places. It's got a good mix. Um, uh, so, uh, but it, that did teach me a lot about, you know, sort of bringing things, uh, to market, um, you know, uh, presenting things, uh, you know, understanding how other people, uh, you know, make decisions about things, think about things, um, tracking, analyzing things. I, you know, it encourages me to, you know, in terms of how I run my campaign, you know, as a, as a startup person, you know, you, uh, you learn pretty you know, quickly. It's about, you know, sort of, you try some experiments and then you track them and you see, uh, you know, you see what works. Um, and so we'll, we'll certainly be doing some conventional things, but we'll also be doing some unconventional things to kind of, Hey, what happens if we do this? Um, cause I think especially with libertarians, you know, if you're at 2%, you're the underdog. Um, so the underdog rarely wins by doing what the, um, uh, so I don't know if overdog is a term. Favorite, <laughs> the, favorite. Uh, yeah, the favorite, the favorite. Uh, of course, yeah, that's good. The, 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 the underdog rarely wins by copying the strategy of the favorite. 
right? The underdog's got to develop a strategy that the favorite uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't see. Um, that comes up in sports all the time. You mentioned Odyssey. I th- I'm familiar with Odyssey. Could you repeat? Uh, I apologize. Um, what was your role in Odyssey? I think does Drew Hancock work for Odyssey? Drew Hancock does work for Odyssey. Uh, so my uh, company library LBRY uh, is the parent company of Odyssey. Okay, very cool. And I, I, uh, yeah, I've actually interviewed Drew Hancock before. He's he's a, a pretty uh, entertaining guy to follow on Twitter within the world of the Liberty movement. Yeah. I mean, I think he's exactly the kind of people that the LP needs to be, um, you know, recruiting. Drew's the kind of guy who's you know creative. He's sharp. He can, you know, uh, bring other people in. He makes it attractive. How important is that, man? That touches on the, a very fascinating topic topic there. You said he's, he's pretty young. I think he's in his early twenties. Um, he, he's of course good with, uh, video editing and things like that. He's witty. He's got a, a nice Twitter following and Twitter presence, but consistent with you and your, um, I guess you could say satirical, um, or witty promotional, uh, funny, uh, videos you've made for your campaign. How important is it to, uh, really hone in on the messaging specifically available through, you know, the internet. I think, I think that's important. I think what's like, what's more important for the LP specifically is, is when they're where they are is finding people uh, of which, you know, Drew would, Drew would fit this, like who will become your evangelist, not just your uh, customer. Um, that is the person who will come in and vote for you but the person who will be your evangelist who will vote for you and who will be, uh, who will be pushing it forward. Um, because I think that's how, uh, I think that's how a lot of persuasion actually happens. I don't think it's a matter necessarily of like, you know, buying the advertisement and then like what someone like sees the advertisement and they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm persuaded by these, by this, I guess I'm a libertarian now. Like, you know, I think like if you're going to get people to, to embrace you, it's by having those, um, those sort of like peer to peer conversations and interactions. And it is also endorsements, you know, the more you can get prominent people, that kind of thing. It's, you know, but to, to be the, but the bridge to sort of getting the sort of average person, the median person, um, it starts by getting those people, uh, who are sort of earlier in that adoption curve in like, uh, you know, sort of like a business sense. So when it comes to solid endorsements, that's an interesting topic in itself. Is it important or does it matter if the Libertarian Party could get like a, even a B-list celebrity, I don't know, and I'm not taking a shot at him, but Rob Schneider seems to be kind of Libertarian. How Would it be important or would it be a big deal to really get someone like uh, Rob Schneider or someone else to come on board and to truly embrace uh, uh, being a libertarian and supporting, I don't know, your campaign for Senate or someone's campaign for president, something like that? Or do you think it's, it doesn't have to be a celebrity? That's almost poison. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, I recently, you know, I thought at one point maybe he had some good political views, but turns out uh, not so much. Um, so it seems like when you look to celebrities, oftentimes you get pretty, pretty disappointed. But do you think a celebrity or someone with some degree of fame 
coming on board is important or is it more important to grow them organically like a Drew Hancock? I, I think it's absolutely beneficial. I think that there's like maybe a risk if they're too sort of like DOC tier that it, it causes this effect where someone looks at it and they're like, wait, that's the best you got, you know, like that's your celebrity. Um, but I don't even know if that's real. Uh, and I, and I think it's definitely helpful overall. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, because you're, you're, uh, you know, libertarian people who, especially in the current state of it, people who are identifying with the libertarian party, like tend to be pretty independently minded. They're comfortable being like, I align with this third thing when the two other things have, you know, much bigger groups, right? So you're kind of by definition selecting for people that are more comfortable that way. And like, if you, if you want to get some of the people who are less that way, you know, they need to see it as something that's sort of significant enough or substantial enough that it's like sort of safe or comfortable or, or, or whatever for them to also be a part of it. You know, those people are never going to be the people who are going to join you to get from two to five, you know, or if they do, they're the kind that will join you just for, you know, Gary Johnson and they're gone again. Hmm. That reminded me when you said the, and I, I don't mean to be knocking Rob Schneider. I actually think he's really funny, but if we got some B or C level celebrity and then we started parading him around him or her around saying, look, we've got a low level celebrity who embraces our ideals. Look at us people may roll their eyes and be like, you know, that's the best you got. It reminds me of in early 2017 when Trump was inaugurated. He was trying to get, he was trying to get all these bands to play at his inauguration. And then the best he could do is they ended up getting three doors down to play. And everybody's like, what the hell? Where did this come from? And it was almost like it would have been better off maybe not to have any music or something like that. So I can see that organically maybe growing someone. I keep saying Drew Hancock, but uh, on even a bigger scale, maybe someone like Michael Malice, who seems to have some crossover appeal to a, more of an anarchist type of um, mindset, something like that. And just to continue to grow in different, uh, I say organic, but I don't even know if that's the correct uh, a verbiage because I really do think, and I'm not bullshitting you just because you're on the line with me. I think your your video about the wars was one of the funniest, wittiest piece of messaging I've ever seen within the Libertarian Party. And like I said, I'm not bullshitting when I say my wife said, make sure you tell him I thought that was really funny and she got it and it made you think. And I mean, I think stuff like that's very important too. And I don't even know if that'd be considered organic. That, that looked pretty, uh, I guess, high level, uh, high production value. That was very, a very good piece of messaging. Well, thank you very much. And I agree that, yeah, this is, uh, I think this is one of the ways that we can win. The truth is this is easier to do than ever before. And so this is an extra reason that I guess the, the creator types, the creative types are extra important is, you, anyone can make a video and can have it go viral on TikTok or have it go viral on these places. You know, it's not, it, you know, than, than any time in history, um, it's, it's easier to get an idea out there. Um, one person can do it. A small group of people can do it. And so uh, definitely trying to take advantage of that to spread our ideas, I think, is, uh, is worthwhile. 
Jeremy, I really appreciate your time today. Before we wrap things up, what type of plugs would you like to mention? Um, how can someone listening, even if they don't live in, in New Hampshire, so they can't, you know, can't vote for you, uh, how can someone listening follow you? How can they access your funny videos? Can you give us a tease about your, your next video, which will be your third video you'll release soon? And, and what other type of plugs would you like to mention before we start to wrap the episode up? Yeah, my next video will debut at Porkfest. It's a, on the environment, so it's going to come out next week, next Thursday. It's going to come out. Still a little bit of editing and, and so on being done on it. And uh, they're all available at my campaign website, jeremy4nh.com. You can also donate on there, which means a ton. It goes a really long way. Uh, one of the ways um, uh, we can win is by getting more donations. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy uh, Kaufman, uh, as well as on Odyssey at K-A-U-F-F-J. And I guess uh, that's just about everything. Oh, come visit New Hampshire. You know, if you're a liberty-minded person. Come out for a visit, come out for a vacation, come to Pork Fest, which is this cool libertarian festival. It's going to be too late for that one this year because that's happening this this weekend. But uh, yeah, just come out and come out for a visit because the, the liberty scene here is pretty incredible. Jeremy Kaufman running for U.S. Senate. Jeremy, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day, Jeremy. Thank you. Bye. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.